Well, I hope I don't disappoint you this morning. can't say that I'm the most eloquent or even the most qualified to be before you this morning, but it is a great privilege to have this opportunity to share with you. I'm kind of curious. A lot of you uh, look up here on the stage and see somebody you've probably never even seen before. I'm curious, is there anybody out there who doesn't even know me from Adam? I mean, you guys have never even... Practically... Classic example. So I've got instant rapport with this audience. No problem. But it really is good to be here this morning and a real honor to have been chosen to speak to you this morning. Uh, an honor I don't take lightly, an honor that has uh, been something that I've spent a lot of time in prayer and a lot of time in thought over. And it is a great privilege to have this opportunity to speak to you, especially since, like, as we've just raised our hands, most of you don't even know me from Adam. And rest assured, I'm not Adam because I do have a belly button, so I'm, I, I'm not Adam. About three weeks ago, um, Dewey approached me with this opportunity to speak to you and gave me some time to think about it. So about five minutes later, I decided, okay, I'll go ahead and give the message on March 1st. And uh, barring my soul to him, I, I told him, well, you know, I really appreciate this opportunity to speak to a, a congregation of men and women that love the Lord. Uh, do, you have any, uh, do you have any advice for me? And he said, yeah, Joe, just don't blow it. So... We have instructors here that care deeply for us and they really seek to really seek to build us up in the Lord and it was exciting to, to receive that word of encouragement from Dewey. So if I blow it, you all just blame Dewey. This morning I just I'm not a I can't say that I am a, a an eloquent speaker, but I can say one thing is that I love Jesus Christ with everything that I have inside of me. And desire more than anything, anything just to communicate truth with you this morning. Um, what, an, what a privilege it is to be able to study the Word of God in a free country, to be able to attend a university of, with godly instructors who care deeply for you, and to be able to share openly about a God who is full of love and full of mercy. About six and a half years ago, I graduated from Laternal College in Texas with a degree in aviation technology with a desire to be a bush pilot in Latin America. Um, I always felt the Lord calling me to, to missions. And um, about three years into that degree at Laterno College, uh, I paid all my way through college. About three years into that education, I realized that I wasn't going to have enough money to finish. Um, in order to get a four-year degree at Laterno College in aviation technology, you had to get all your pilot's licenses, which would have run in excess of about $20,000. Needless to say, a missionary kid growing up in an income of less than 15000 a year uh, that my parents, uh, that was my parents' income, paying my own way through college, needless to say, that $20,000 didn't come flying in from, uh, from somewhere that, that was able, so that I was able to finish that degree. So I, uh, I got out of school with a two-year degree in aviation maintenance technology with a desire to really get out into the workforce and then, with my skills as an aircraft mechanic, then dwindle away at my pilot's licenses. But it wasn't soon after that I left that protective, protected environment of Laterno College with, with also godly instructors that I found myself in a world of severe compromise, in a world that was tugging everywhere, tugging at my billfold, tugging at my morals, tugging at my, my very being uh, to compromise a faith that I had lived and grown up in all of my life. Many of you have... Uh, listen to the radio on many occasions and have been interrupted by that announcer that says this is only a test of the emergency broadcast system in this station. So in light of that uh, 
of that example, I want to just introduce this topic. The topic of this morning I have called Living 100% for God in a World of Compromise. And really when I thought about what I wanted to talk about this morning, I wanted to leave you all with something that would have benefited me when I left Laterno College in order to face the real world, quote unquote. What would have benefited me the most? Uh, what would I have wanted to know in a, more, in a deeper and more meaningful way so that I would be prepared to face the world that I was about to go out into? So let's begin, um, and I'll just go ahead and read these cards. Some of you may be able to identify with some of the scenarios in these cards. These are the areas that I have been tempted or even uh, fallen into uh, compromising some of my base beliefs. These are areas that I've struggled in, and, and I'll just read these and see if you can identify and see if you can open yourself up uh, to maybe identify with these and see maybe an area of your life that you need to surrender to God. So this is only a test of the emergency heavenly broadcast station. Remember, this is only a test. While driving down the freeway, someone cuts you off. You're minding your own business. They cut you off and they don't even use the turn signal. How dare them? Who's the Lord of your life at that time? You've studied hard for an exam, but you have much more work to do. Exam time comes and you know you just haven't prepared enough for it. So you position yourself strategically behind a 4.0 student, gaining easy access to his notes and to his exam, or you uh, carefully tuck away a cheat sheet into your sleeve so that you can gain easy access to it later on during the exam. Who's the Lord of your life at that time? You go to the store to buy a case of no-dose and some jolt soda so that you can make it through the night and get all your studies done. You hand the clerk a $20 bill. She, thinking that you handed her a $100 bill, gives you change accordingly, four 20s and the change for the 20 that you gave her. No one's ever going to know that you received all this extra change. Who's the Lord of your life at that time? You're at work, but the sun is shining and the beach is calling. You know your workmate would be more than happy to clock you out at the appointed time when it was the end of your eight-hour shift or when it was the end of your shift. Listen, you can get a head start on your tan and still get in a full day's work. Who's the Lord of your life at that time? You received your paycheck and paid the bills. You know you should tithe. This is something that's been ingrained and preached to you over and over again. But... You've been waiting for months now to buy that radical TV set. You know, the one with the split screen and the one with the 136 channel remote. You make your choice. Who's the Lord of your life at that time? This is it. You've managed to get alone with your sweetheart. And you know that you're going to have your home all to yourself for the whole weekend. You go over to your place after a romantic night out filled with love and passion. You have a special feeling inside of you, a gut feeling inside of you that this is the one that you're going to marry someday. You enter into this compromising situation. Who is the Lord of your life when you step into the door of your place? Last scenario, you make it through college and you feel God calling you to overseas missions. You felt that call all of your life. As your job search begins, an offer worth a lot of money is made to you as a management trainee in a large bank. There will be plenty of room for advancement, all the benefits you can dream about, healthy paycheck. Besides, the bank president is a Christian and he's a personal friend of your father. Who is the Lord of your life at that time? You know, had this been a real emergency, the power of heavens would have been shaken and there would have been, and you would have seen the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory to take his children home. That's in Luke 21. So that's my talk this morning. As I thought about what I wanted to tell you, I had a lot of different ideas, a lot of different desires of things that I wanted to communicate to you, but it was best wrapped up 
in the title, Living 100% for God in a World of Compromise, the original title that I had chosen was, May the Real Lord of Your Life Please Stand. Some of the questions that I often have to ask myself is what is the one thing that keeps me going in life? What is the one thing that, that gets me out of bed in the morning to face the challenges of the day? What is the one thing that I'm living for? What is the center most important passion of my life? It takes a daily commitment, folks, to live a Christian walk. It isn't something that you commit to one day and then everything else falls into place. It takes a daily commitment. And we really need to, uh, every day, be aligning ourselves with the will of God in our lives and really seeking to seek His path and His desire and His goals for our life. The second question that I often have to ask myself is what kind of evaluation of your life would you receive from someone else? Maybe a friend. Maybe somebody across the hall. What would they see in you? What kind of evaluation would you receive from somebody else? Folks, talk is cheap. It's easy to talk about a Christian walk. It's another thing to live it. And I'll tell you, it's easy to live a Christian walk in a, in a place like this where you have a lot of godly instructors and I love each one of them and I've, I've, I consider it a great honor and a privilege to, be, to have been under their, uh, under their tutelage and just to, to learn and to, 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 to learn about God through them and to learn more about the, the God that I serve. And it's been a really neat time. But it's easy to live a Christian walk here. It's another thing to step outside of these doors into the world that doesn't give a rip about God doesn't really care about morals, just wants to live a life that's easy, live a life that whatever feels good, do it, live a life of, of reckless abandon. And they're going to want to tug at you at every, every little corner of your life. Every, every opportunity that you see in life is going, to, is going to have the option to compromise what is the basis of your faith, what's the basis of your morals, of what you stand for, of what you desire in your life. Kind of as a personal testimony, I went to Laternal College to receive a degree. I can honestly say that I came to Master's College to grow in godliness, to learn more about a father who loves me, but to learn more than that, to, to become relevant to young people. I've always felt the call to ministry, but after Laternal College, after I, I mentioned before that I had to go out of uh, Laternal College early, received a two-year degree instead of a four-year degree, immediately I was plopped in the smack dab in the middle of a, probably as secular a society as you possibly can be put in, and that was in Alaska, just below the Arctic Circle in a small village of about 85% Eskimos, 15% white. Folks, I'm not saying that Alaskans are necessarily the worst people on earth, but I'm telling you that this, these people had no desire for God, had no desire for anything uh, having to do with morals, anything having to do with living a righteous life, anything having to do with a godly life. I didn't even have anybody to be accountable to. I had one friend... Uh, that, was a, that was a Christian and we went to church together but it was one of those churches that you went to just because it was the right thing to do but boy it was nap time as soon as you walked into the doors it was time for a nap because the pastor just didn't have the fire and, and so really I didn't receive the training that I needed I was plopped smack dab in the middle of a, of a society that, that uh, was a party hardy society drinking as much as they could possibly drink uh, engaged in all sorts of uh, sexual activity just blatant I mean, has any of you ever been propositioned by somebody who said, let's, right now, let's do it? And, and that was, that's what I faced straight out of Bible college, a nice, innocent young man facing this with, 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 that kind of a, with that kind of pressure and those kind of temptations tugging at me. And I found myself right away compromising what I had uh, so, so long believed and so long held. God is gracious, and he did keep me from, from blowing it. 
from getting involved in the real heavy party scene, but I did hang out with those people, and I'd be hard-pressed to find one of them that really saw a godly man in me during that time. And I missed out on a lot of opportunities to share Christ with those people because I kind of melded into the whole thing and kind of became one of the guys, compromising everything from, uh, from speaking out and, and being able to use those, those opportunities to witness to just uh, even having a few beers with the guys and getting involved with that. I never had a beer in my life. All of a sudden, here I am around it. The only thing to do in that thing was to, was to party with the fellas. So I found myself compromising in things that, that are heinous and that, and that just really, as I look back on that, I know God is great and I know God is gracious and I have, I have spent a lot of time in pain over the bad choices that I made there. And that is my desire this morning. And if we could, let us open up in prayer. I know we've already been opened up in prayer, but I just want to pray that God would use me to communicate maybe a, a challenge or two that you might see an area in your life that you're holding back from God, that He needs to have control over. So for my benefit as well as yours, let's just open up in prayer um, and let's get right to it. Dear Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this opportunity to be here this morning. Thanks for a nation that allows us to worship freely. Thanks for the opportunity that we have to attend Master's College and to receive such great instruction that is so applicable and useful in the world. I pray this morning that you would speak through me. I desire nothing more than to be an empty vessel of you, to be a, a servant that is willing to communicate those words that you, have, you would have me to communicate. So I empty myself of everything selfish. I empty myself of myself and just seek to be used by you this morning. Help us to learn from your word. In your name, amen. Three points I have this morning under the title Living 100% for God in a World of Compromise. The first is, do I have what it takes? Do I have what it takes to live 100% for God in a world of compromise? Second point is, what am I willing to give? If I have what it takes, am I willing to give what is required? And the third point is, so what's in it for me? And we'll get to those points one at a time. The first one is, do I have what it takes? And if you would... Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 to 31. We'll go ahead and read those. Starting in verse 26. It says, For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen, the things that are not, that he might nullify the things that are, that no man should boast before God, but by his doing you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. How many of you here can claim those qualifications? How many of you here can raise your hand and say, I'm weak. I have some shortcomings. I know I haven't arrived at any form of godliness that I can really be proud of. And that's something that we need to address too, is that if there's one thing that stands in the way of our relationship with Christ, and that is personal pride. As we read in James 4.6, it says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. The neat thing about Christ, the neat thing about the Christian walk is that the only requirement that God has for us is ourselves. No matter where you are, no matter what talents you have, no matter what have you have to offer, no matter what your background is, no matter what your future looks like, 
It doesn't matter. God just wants you. If you feel weak, God can use that. In our weakness, He is made strong. If you feel a lack of wisdom, God has chosen the foolish things of this world to shame the wisdom of the world. As it is said, the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisest of man. So when I look at those list of qualifications, the world would look at those qualifications and say, well, you know, Christianity is for the weak. You're darn right it is. Because until we recognize and we come to the point in our walk with God where we recognize our weakness and we recognize that we have fallen short of His expectations for our life, it is at that time that God is able to use us. And it isn't, isn't it wonderful to receive that promise that God is able to use us even though we're weak, even though we lack strength. So to me, it's a great encouragement to read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 to 31 and see that God can use anything. If we're just willing to place ourselves under submission to Him, He can use you. We're not in it alone. Even through weakness, God has said that He is sufficient. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, I'll go ahead and read those real quick. I've got it written down here. It says, And He has said unto me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distress, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Once again, it's where we find ourselves at a position where we feel weak, where we feel unable to conquer life, that Christ is able to pick us up and to carry us along and to really make something out of our lives. Two examples that I have chosen from the Bible that characterize this uh, truth are the Apostle Paul and King Saul, two prominent individuals of the Scriptures, two who initially had tremendous potential. The Apostle Paul in Acts 22, 3-5 gives his impressive list of credentials, what today would be doctorates and PhDs in some of the most prominent universities, Harvard, Yale, just incredibly successful in the eyes of the world, born a Roman citizen, had incredible promise, and yet on the Damascus Road, what happened to him? He was broken. Everything that he had stood for, everything that he had fought for, came crashing down around him, and he realized that he lacked the one single most important thing in life, and that was a relationship with Christ. And in that weakness and in that brokenness, Christ was able to pick him up and really make him useful. And we see the Apostle Paul live out that faith. We see him live out the fact that he felt humble before a mighty God, but yet God was able to use that humility and make him successful for the kingdom and for the furthering of God's kingdom. King Saul is the other example, another one that had tremendous potential. 1 Samuel chapter 9 and chapter 10 show his credentials. Successful in the eyes of God's people, tall, handsome, had a great uh, presence about him, had promise he was going to be the first king chosen for the Israelites against God's will, but yet still according to his, his will. And yet we see the more Samuel, I mean the more Saul gained victories, the more he began to pull away from God, the more he began to feel autonomous. In chapter 13 of 1 Samuel, we see him sacrifice to God and take the position of the priest that God had specifically set aside for the Levite tribe and the priest. And there is where we see Saul start to plummet down. And I see these two men and I see a lot of you and I see a lot of the same thing. We've been given incredible instruction. We have incredible promise. God has blessed us with talents and gifts that if we could use the full potential of this room, we could really impact the world. But there's going to be some of us that are going to get out there 
we're going to see the successes, we're going to get successful jobs, we're going to start to make those paychecks, and those are going to be the things that become the most important in our lives. And that's what I, be, that's what I began to face when I exited Laterno College, is I started to get my own paycheck. I started to make my own decisions. I wasn't accountable to anybody. I could pretty much make any choice or any decision that I wanted to make. It was living the talk of Christianity that really was a learning experience for me and took a process. And over the years, have I in no way arrived at any point where I feel godly or where I feel I have arrived. But I'm certainly striving to turn my head knowledge into heart knowledge, to turn what I have learned in my head into practical and applicable ways that I can apply to my life. As we turn to 2 Timothy 4, 3 to 5, turn with me there now if you would. You know, we see a, I see an incredible trend in the church today, a growing segment of the Christian population become, becoming what I like to call stealth Christians. And that's what I become in, in, in Alaska, a stealth Christian, a person who professed to know Christ. But really, you know, being near the aerospace industry, I hope you all know what stealth is, undetectable by radar. But uh, it's so easy to be a stealth Christian, to be the Sunday Christian or the Easter Sunday or the Christmas Sunday Christian. And there is, a, there is an opportunity with the, with, well, with the opportunities that we have presented before us, there is an opportunity to go wherever you want, to listen to whatever message you want. And if you're not happy with the message or the doctrine that's been given at that particular church, all you have to do is move next door and go to the church next door. There isn't any loyalty in the churches anymore. If we're not happy with a pastor, if we're not happy with something that's going on in the church, what do we do? We pack our bags and we move to another church. And that's a shame. We really need to become consistent become dedicated to one church, put our resources and our time into church and, and, and take the lumps, take the ups and downs, learn how to work through problems, not to run from problems, to work through problems. As we see in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 to 5, we see, For the time will come when they will not want to endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate teachers for themselves in accordance with their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth, and will turn aside to myths. But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. A classic example is those people that rotate from church to church. They, they, if they're not happy with, the, with the, the way the pastor is preaching, they can just move. But God has called us to be sober, to endure these hardships, to work through them. As we endure hardships, as we work through hardships, we learn. And when we learn, God is able to grow us in our faith. And you know, we're all going to make mistakes. God knows that. We know that. The heart is deceitful and wicked. Who can comprehend it? Jeremiah 17.9 Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. That seventh scenario that I read to you, a lot of you are going to be faced with a lot of tempting proposals. Three weeks ago, I was given the opportunity to take a position for Sony Corporation working as a chief of maintenance for one of their airplanes. Position would pay over $60,000 a year. Benefits galore. Be pretty lucrative lifestyle. $60,000 a year, I can think of a lot of things I could spend that on. But you know, God has called me to ministry. I'm not standing up here with a holier-than-thou attitude. I'm just saying I have aligned myself with the will of God and desire to fulfill His call. And what Satan wants to do is he wants to plop little you know, things in front of you, a little carrot in front of you that, you that you can reach out and grasp. And you know what? I know that I cannot be happy or fully fulfilled unless I am directly smack dab in the will of God. 
naturally I turned down that offer and like CW mentioned I accepted a position at uh, Bible Fellowship Church in Ventura as a senior youth pastor I'll be overseeing the junior high high school and college ministries what an opportunity what, a, what an exciting uh, thing that is in, our, in, in my future I'm going to be a father in three weeks I've got to sell my house in a market that is impossible within a couple of months and then I'm going to move to Ventura which is more expensive to live there am I worried? If I was, then I certainly wouldn't be trusting in God. God is faithful in my life. In my life, I have seen God's faithfulness being exercised time and time again. And I praise God for the way in which He's taught me and the way in which He's led me. And I'm excited about the future. I'm excited about the ministry potentials at Bible Fellowship. I'm excited about being a youth pastor. It's something I've always wanted to be. I still, to this day, don't understand why I got involved in aviation. I had absolutely no mechanical training. I, I was all thumbs. Uh, but I know Christ is going to use that in my life for something. And He has taught me a lot, and, and, uh, and I praise Him for that. The second point that I want to talk about this morning is what am I willing to give? If you turn with me with, to Luke chapter 9, verses 23 to 27. Starting in verse 23, Luke chapter 9, it says, And He was saying to them all, If anyone wishes to come after Me, let him deny himself, Take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me in my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and the holy angels. But I say to you truthfully, there are some of those standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. My question is this, in light of that passage of Scripture, of denying ourselves and taking up our cross, I'm sure we've heard lessons on this. I won't exposit or seek to, to expand on that. I'll let, merely let Scripture speak for itself. But what in this world can possibly be more important than your relationship with God? If you can think of one thing that's more important than your relationship with God, that, my friends, is the area that God is calling you to change, is calling you to let go of. Let's put it this way. As I asked the question at the beginning of the message, what kind of evaluation would you receive from a friend when he looked at your life and had to gauge how you were doing in your walk with God? How would your life stand the test of fire if God was to come right now and to test your work? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 13 to 15 says, Each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built upon remains, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet as through fire. Folks, I'm not so sure I'm ready to have my actions tested by fire at this moment. There's a lot of areas in my life that I still need to grow in. There's a lot of areas in my life that I know I need to change. The Christian walk is filled with change. God requires 100%. What am I willing to give? That's really, going to that's really going to determine how effective you are for Christ when you step out of these Hollywood halls of Master's College, face the real world, and have to walk your faith and not just to speak it. Philippians 3.8, it says, More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. 
I can think of several times in my life where I've really desired to have something, an automobile, a couch, whatever the case might be. I found myself really struggling and working hard, working some overtime hours in order to attain this earthly possession. And you know, it's funny, but every time, without exception, after I have strived towards this one object or whether this one thing, I've received it, and two weeks later, it has no significance to me at all. It just becomes another one of those earthly possessions. It's funny, but the world believes strongly that those who die with the most toys wins. Boy, nothing can be further from the truth. The thing that I see more than anything with the gentlemen and, and ladies that I work with at my workplace, mechanics are not necessarily the pillars of society. They're, um, to say the least, some of the things that they say would make a sailor blush with shame. Their whole purpose in life is to attain more earthly goods. Every, I think every day at work, and I work every day there, every day at work I'm faced with another person struggling or striving towards something, whether it be a motorhome, a boat, the next party weekend, the next ski trip, the next item. They're just, it's from one item to the next. That's, all that, that's what possesses their life. But I can look at their life and I can see in them and I can say to them and I can say, you have nothing that I want. Because really everything that this world has to offer is but temporal. Those has to offer are eternal. What God requires is humanly impossible. In and of ourselves, we are absolutely incapable of pursuing or achieving those things in which He has called us to do. But in Mark 10.27, it says, Looking upon them, Jesus said, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Do you believe that? Do you believe with Philippians 4.13 that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? There's a catchphrase there. It doesn't say I can do all things. It says I can do all things through Christ. That's the qualifier. And it is Christ who strengthens us. We've, we've talked about weakness this morning. But in Christ, we can do all things. And if we can align ourselves with the will of God and really align ourselves with what Christ has set for our lives, then we're setting, we're setting ourselves up to a life where God can use us and a life of promise and a life of really true happiness. Isn't that what this world is after? Isn't that what the world is, is really searching for and struggling for, is happiness? Do you think that after that young man that I work with gets his boat, do you think he's going to achieve happiness? I don't think so. After that boat starts to break down for the first time, there's not going to be any more happiness. There's only going to be cursings. Hebrews 4, 14-16 is an incredible promise. You know, I don't have the exact number of promises that God and Christ gives us in the Word, but there's thousands of promises that Christ gives us through the Word. If we'll only align ourselves with Christ, there's where we can start to claim those promises that Christ has given to us, and there's where He has promised to bless us. It says in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16, it says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things, even as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Well, I don't know about you, but that is an incredible promise that I latch onto. In our weakness, Christ is made strong. Christ is able to identify with us in everything that you face. Isn't it neat to know that Christ 
has been through everything that we've been through, even more so than we have? Isn't it neat to know that when we receive trials or when we face trials and temptations and, and just fall, isn't it neat to know that Christ understands? No other religion in the world can offer that kind of a relationship or can offer a Christ who knows us personally and who offers the opportunity to carry along a personal relationship with Him. The last point, so what's in it for me? Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think, according to the power that works within us. Christ is that power that works within you. Is He or is He not? What areas of your life do you need to surrender to God? What else is in it for you? John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His Son. God gave everything for us. Is it too much for Him to ask for us to give everything back to Him? I was gonna. I don't have enough time, but I was going to read several scriptures to you. You might want to jot these down. This is what's in it for you when you accept Christ into your life. Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. Romans 8, 26 through 39. Colossians 2, verses 8 to 15. 1 Peter 1, verses 3 to 9. All these speak about what God has given to us, what He has surrendered, what He has enabled to, to, for us to do through His grace. And it is summed up in God's grace because God is, God is grace. And the fact that you and I are here today is, a, is an example and a testimony to how God has exercised His grace in each, each one of the lives present today. You know, we all mess up. We all require discipline. Proverbs 3, 11 to 12 paints a scenario of a father who has to discipline his child. God's love requires that He makes sure that we maintain the straight and narrow, that we keep down the path that He has set before us. And when we fall and when we, when we mess up, God is there to pick us up, but it's also there to chastise us and to teach us so that we might be able to grow and be stronger in our walk with Him. If He didn't discipline us, He wouldn't care. A lot of people feel that God created the world and just let it go, but that's not so. God has created a personal relationship. And no matter where you stand, no matter where you are, God has given us the privilege of approaching His throne as His children. And what a, what a privilege that is. It's a battle out there, folks. A lot of people have told you that, but it really is. Ephesians 6.12 says that it's a battle of principalities and powers in heavenly places. Satan doesn't come up with a banner and tell you that he's coming at you in a certain direction. He does so subtly. He gets you to compromise in a small area, and the more you compromise, the more he starts to inch away at your value system, at what you stand for. And the more you allow him reign in your life, the more you'll start to plummet and fall away from God. Use the time that you have here at Master's College to really commit yourself and to really develop your walk with God into being one that's more than just talk. Walk the talk. Make the knowledge that has been given to you something that's a part of your heart, not that it's a part of, not as a part of your head. Matthew 7, verses 13 to 14 says, Narrow is the way, few are those who find it. And Satan lurks around, seeking who he may devour. You know, it's, it is a little scary to face a world that is tugging at us. i got to admit that when I try to sell my house in a market that just looks like it's plummeting around me, it's easy for me to turn inward and say, you know, this is humanly impossible. But God excels in the impossible and He will work through your impossibilities. He'll work through your life. In conclusion, I would have that you would bow your heads right now 
And I'm going to read a passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 6. I don't want you to turn there because I want you to have your head bowed and to really concentrate on the, on the content of this passage. I want you to examine your lives and really see where you need to grow in your, your relationship with God. No one here present this morning can say that they have arrived at a place where they have no more growing to do. So I'm going to read this and I just want you to close your eyes and to concentrate on what I'm about to read. Starting in verse 19, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is clear, your whole body will be filled with light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now listen. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to the one and despise the other. You, not, you cannot serve God and mammon. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this morning. We know that we have so far to go in our growth in You. We have not arrived at any, in any shape or form at the place where You want us to be. And God, we just thank You that You have promised to be there with us. You have promised to be the strength in our weakness. No matter what we have to offer, no matter what we feel we have going for us, it's all nothing unless it is used in You. Help us to realize that. Help us to give ourselves completely up to You. Help us to live 100% for You in a world that is filled with compromise. In Your name, Amen.